You are listening to The Breakup Evolution, a collection of real-life vignettes of how people grow from heartbreak. And I am your host, Sarah Ng. My name is Clover, and I, where do I begin? I just like to do things <laughs> unconventional. When I was little, people would always call me weird. And honestly, I always took it as a compliment and didn't really pay it any mind. For one of my birthdays, I think it was 10 or something, I got a Polaroid camera and for fun, I went around taking pictures of teachers, interviewing them and putting together like this little book of bios. Understandably, the kids at school saw me going around interviewing people during recess, interviewing the adults and thought this was super strange. But I relished that. And honestly, I've probably gotten even weirder as time has gone on. I've taken up hip hop dancing in London, tried my hand at taxidermy, and all that was while taking German classes. So when I sat down with Clover, I really saw a kindred spirit in her. Clover defines herself as unconventional. She's joined the Canadian army, she's traveled the world alone, and loves to go against what people expect her to do. I, I would have probably called her weird, endearingly. In this episode, we find out exactly what unconventional means to her and how this affects her romantic relationships. We start off with Clover enlisting in the military. I always had this really adventurous side in me. A friend of mine was saying like, oh, there's this like military training and you get paid really well and it would be a cool experience. And then I don't know why I think I was asking him like, can women join? So then I like looked into it. I was like, okay, this is really cool. Let me just do it for the summer. And I did. And I did the like basic military training, like the boot camp. I would go to the base camp once a week to do three hours of training. What was the, the boot camp like? It's pretty much similar to what you see in movies. So kind of like 5 a.m. wake up usually. And then we do one hour of like PT, like training and stuff like that. It could be anything. It could be running up the hill. It could be like, I don't know, bench pressing like 100 pounds, like whatever it is. You know, push-ups, like whatever you can think of. Uh, which honestly is really hard because I was the uh, smallest person. Like I am 5'5", five, five, 110 pounds. And because of that, mentally, it was also very hard because it's like you go through all these like workshops uh, and training during the morning and then trying not to fall asleep because if you appear to fall asleep, then you're kind of screwed. And then there's lunch and then there's like this practicum in the afternoon. And throughout the day, you have to make sure like nobody screws up or like get out of the ranks or do anything stupid. Because if one person does it, the entire team suffers, right? And so it's like, oh, it's like, how do we get everyone to be on the same page? And the thing is like a lot of these children get in at the age of 17 because it's like their family wants you know somebody to discipline them so of course they're like rebellious right and then uh and every single day we get punished and it's like that to me it was hard as well uh to go through and so then of course like it was very interesting when we're in the field uh where we could actually like ambush and and hide in the woods and like camouflage and like 
be an empty building where we're shooting rifles and stuff like but and they're real rifles but with blanks like bullets and stuff with throwing grenade and using machine guns which i mean in hindsight it was super cool but during the training though it was really hard um but I, I'm just so proud of myself for finishing it because it's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, physically, mentally, in every single way. All this while, Clover's parents are kind of like her cheerleaders. My parents are interesting. They actually don't really uh, force me to do anything. Uh, I was in the military. They were okay with that, which is kind of different for an Asian female. After a year of being in the army, getting little sleep and keeping those unruly teenagers in check, Clover decides it's time to change it up. She applies to be a flight attendant at Air Canada. I got into being a flight attendant and my dad actually told me not to finish university. He was like, it's a waste of time and energy. You're set. Like, you basically got the job of your dreams. It's suited for your personality. Go for it. Like, don't waste time. And meanwhile, I'm the one who is like, no, 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 dad, I'm going to actually finish this as a backup. You never know. And so it's very, like, backwards to what traditional Asian parents would teach. You mentioned that your dad was like, this is the perfect job for your personality. What do you think it was that made it a good fit? I like variety <laughs> I like variety a lot and I don't like structure kind of like this freedom loving uh, value every single flight is different with who I work with so I literally have to adapt to their style every single time right even though it's like the same job but it's like okay this person might be slower on this beverage don't rush them <laughs> but this other person might be very fast on this trolley then it's like okay you know I'll adjust my speed according to it and so I have this instinctive thing where I can just like go back and forth. Even with languages, sometimes I have to speak three languages in like one row, right? Like Cantonese, Mandarin, English. It's like there's three different passengers. And so he saw that. And I also like just gravitate towards people as well. And because of that, I'm always very friendly. And so he saw that, okay, this is like so you and, and uh, you're going to be happy doing that. And so I'm just so grateful that he gave me that support, to be honest. And meanwhile, all my classmates at the time was against it. It was actually the flip, like the reverse, where usually your peers are the ones who support you. But no, in this case, my dad supported me and everyone else didn't. And because I had like, you know, that, I was able to make the decision of like, okay, I'm going to take that scary step of leaving school. Flights are boarded, flights are disembarked, and Clover hears about eHarmony. Okay, fellow Tinder and Bumble and Hinge people, think back or ask your elders, ask me, about eHarmony, their original online dating site, a la Match.com. It was actually still very taboo. And in typical Clover fashion, she signs up. Her and her husband start messaging, and the relationship starts to progress. It was very logical to me because it's like, oh, you know... Uh, you're looking at your must-haves and, you know, your deal-breakers and, like, it, it just makes sense logically, right? And so he honestly, like, hit everything on my list and more, and he treated me really well. And I 
got married um, at the age of 26, where I, you know, went the conventional route, like what everybody would do. But then as the relationships evolved, then I realized I had to morph into a certain ideal, uh, which is the traditional, you know, get married at a certain age, you're supposed to have a great degree doing, you know, the STEM field of what Asians people usually do, the doctor, engineer, lawyer thing. But because I was none of that, then my ex felt or maybe I felt that he felt maybe I was projecting uh, that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't fitting into that mold and eventually like he I guess it it wasn't sustainable for him do you think that pressure to have to fit the traditional roles was that something you felt even before the relationship or or Mm. specifically when you're in it I think specifically when I was in this relationship, because before that, I never had that restriction. Then when I went into relationship thinking that, you know, he's actually doing great things for me, though. So whatever, I guess, advice and opinions that he had at the time was because he wanted, you know, the, the, the best family that we can create together. And in order to do that, then I have to change myself uh, into a certain ideal. Right. And when I didn't fit that ideal, then he was like, okay, maybe not the right person for me. How did you know at this time that there was this pressure from your husband to fit into these traditional roles? Like, how did he make that known? He, uh, I guess the real issue really came when I, when we went to Hong Kong, he actually transferred there for work. And I guess the environment became very different as well. And there was more pressure to make more money to fit into a certain status. He was in the financial industry. And I actually went backwards because instead of being a flight attendant, now I'm working at an office. He had a not just a lateral move, but he had like an actual promotion. Meanwhile, I had to actually, you know, start from scratch. And so that gap in between maybe was scary for him I don't know or maybe more burdening or there's more pressure so he was just like okay you know what you need to like up your game here like you need to go to school you need to like do masters and like you need to do all of these things and I mean I listened to him and I tried to apply for different schools but it was just not like resonating with me and yeah I guess there's where that conflict starts to really brew and and became irreconcilable yeah. Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard to, yeah. tricky to say. Yeah. How did it get to the point where you were with someone who wasn't really seeing that part of you? Do you think he ever was initially drawn to that unconventional side? Hmm, that's a really good question. He was from Taiwan. I think he was drawn to it. Uh, at the beginning, but then I think his personality was more alpha. There's that culture of like men, I guess a little bit more alpha, uh, comparing to like the Cantonese culture where the women can be a little bit stronger. So yeah, there's like some subtle nuance there as well. And and because I'm very flexible uh, as a person, it, like I'm a Gemini, if that says anything. <laughs> very adaptable and so then I could actually go either way but you know sometimes the drawback is like like you lose yourself we just go drifted in the direction of what he wanted um and not what I wanted but without me even realizing that 
because I, I already adapted so much to his lifestyle and, and him that I did not realize I lost myself. I think like my biggest thing is like, because I'm such a, like a chameleon, sometimes it's hard for me to know my identity. And that's where like the unconventional part comes in as well. It's like, I don't even know, I, I can't even expect what I'm going to do next. <laughs> Um, depending on my environment, I literally morph into it. So sometimes like I need to stop beating myself up for not even knowing I, an identity. And I guess my identity is a chameleon. It's to be able to just be whatever I need to be in that moment. And that's okay too. And then basically I was kind of forced, it, not forced, but he was like, okay, let's get a divorce. And I was just like, no! But at the same time, I don't beg ever. So it's like, well... There's nothing I can do about this. Like, if you don't want this, I'm not going to be, like, dragging my, his feet. And we, you know, separated when I was 30. And that really was still a shock to me. Do you think there was a part of you that could have morphed or put yourself into the expectations that he had? Like, do you think that you would have been okay with it? That's the thing. Like, I think there was a lot of resistance. Like, there were lots of conversations where it's like, okay, I would try to do it. I was trying to morph into it, but it wasn't really exciting me. And I felt kind of shame for it, for not being excited about that, the things that he was excited. So you're right. It's kind of like, is it truly me aligning myself and being happy for being a chameleon and adapting to him? Uh, so that didn't work out. And... Even though, like, I mean, I thought I was, like, you know, totally fine as a person, but you cannot stay in a relationship where you don't feel completely accepted, uh, where you're just adapting to people. Yeah. But that's in hindsight, I have to say. Like, when yeah, I was in it, like, I totally did not know that. But it took me years to come to that conclusion and awareness. Clover returns to Canada, and she and her husband divorce. He stays in Asia, and she goes back to what she really enjoyed before. Thank goodness I still had the job with Air Canada. I, I took, uh, you know, two years of leave of absence. And then I started traveling because of all these flight benefits. It's like, what, do, what resources do I have now so that I can live the best life I can? Right. And so I started traveling so much to a point I was home only five days a month. And because, you know, the scheduling that we can create as well, I, I could actually just work 10 days a month and call it like a full time job. Uh, and the flight benefits were, you know, really great as well. So that afforded me a lot of more perspective when I uh, went out to explore the world, how big it is, and how small I am, how narrow minded I had been. And so that opened up everything for me. And then from there, I met people. And then I just became, you know, uh, even more adventurous. I was skydiving, which cave diving with crocodiles, I was like, you know, hiking Mount Everest base camp, you know, things like that. And it gave me even more uh, confidence and courage to be like, okay, this is what aligns with me and I'm going to keep going and no regrets. Wow. I, I didn't realize like all the benefits of being a flight attendant. That sounds amazing. Okay, so wow. it worked out. So you, okay. How are you able to only work 10 hours a week or 10 days a month? That's amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky enough that I learned Mandarin uh, when I was in university. Like I did two years of university before I became a flight attendant. And then when I joined uh, the company, then they, you know, did language testing. The thing is, I, I'm naturally Cantonese, so that was already fluent. But having Mandarin was the superpower because they were opening Beijing flights directly from Toronto, and it's like a three day pairing, meaning. You just you're gone for three days, but you get like twenty six hours credit because it's like thirteen hours one way to go there, right? And we only fly about eighty hours a month, seventy to eighty hours a month, and that fits like three flights, and that's nine days. And so that alone it already filled up my schedule, and I would just fly on the weekend and then go to school on the weekdays, and I did that for years. Wow, and then all these other yeah. trips, like you mentioned, the mm-hmm. you know all these crazy adventures, were those also mm-hmm. part of Air Canada, or you were, or these were trips you took on your own? Uh, these are trips that I took on my own. So what I did was like, as I got more senior, then I could like play around with my schedule. I would like sometimes put them together. It's like work ten days in a row, and then I have like the rest of the month off. And then the next month, it's like having other rest of like the month off, and then work at the end. So that's like all of a sudden a month in between uh, that I could be like going somewhere, and then I would just like pick <laughs> whatever places that I've never been to, and then start traveling. And a lot of times, I actually solo traveled because you know my schedule is a little bit. Uh, irregular, and not everyone wanted to, you know, come on these adventures and hard to arrange. And at the beginning, I went with people, and then as I, you know, start traveling, I was like, hey, I can actually do the, this myself. And in fact, it's more empowering, and it's actually easier for me. It's more peaceful. <laughs> I don't need to accommodate anybody. I'm just like, okay, like everything's in my own hands. I know how to do this. It's 2020 and 2021 a period forever marked by the pandemic. And with that, no more flights, no more boarding, no more flight attendants. And for Clover, that was kind of an opportunity to be like, hmm, what what else can I do? What else kind of aligns with being unconventional? I saw an opportunity for a platform called Unconventional Asians, which I started uh, to help people kind of look at their inner world to question, you know, themselves uh, in this whole healing journey. I'm going to highlight this because Clover's platform, Unconventional Asians, really resonates with me. There's so many people who stereotype Asians, who think of us as quiet, docile people who do everything by the book. And that's just not true. There are so many other ways to be Asian, and Clover works to highlight these types of people. You can find out more about unconventional Asians in Clover at Simply Clover Living on Instagram. And hopefully in the near future, you'll see her and me post-pandemic jet-setting, scaling mountaintops, and diving alongside the marine life. Find me and more about the show at The Breakup Evolution on Instagram, or you can email me at thebreakupevolution at gmail.com. And if you like the show and want to hear more of season two, please subscribe and even better, review. This was The Breakup Evolution, 